Cut the Crust presents The Screaming Room. <laughs> So basically, about, I don't know, four months ago, uh, three months ago, um, I was invited to do a sketch card set. Um, and it was just a small series of uh, trading cards for Night of the Living Dead, the original 68 version. Now, I I hadn't seen that um, in a while. I'm not really a horror guy, to be honest with you. So um, I hadn't seen these films. I hadn't visited it. Uh, so du- during this set, as part of my research, I watched it again and everything. And then I saw that, oh yeah, there were. I knew that I had a vague uh, knowledge that there were other versions. There was like a, you know a couple of remakes and stuff. So I thought, okay. Um, and then I was watching. I thought, let me just check these remakes out. Now that I've seen the '68 version and it's you know it's fantastic and everything, so it's genre defining and all that. I thought, let me go check out these other remakes. So I went to the 1990s version. Right. Lo and behold. The lead in it is you. <laughs> I know her. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I need to speak to you actually for a long time uh, since uh, you know Arthur met you at the show, and you guys, you know, have been friends and stuff, and you've done the Harry Potter stuff together. I've been meaning to say, okay, let me. Even though I'm not a Babylon Five guy either, really. Um, what am I into? I guess only Star Wars, but lots of things. But um, <laughs> I yeah. Uh, I really want to talk. Uh, I really want to talk to you because I'm interested in process. I'm interested in the journey, the different journeys that actors take. Um, and then I saw Night of the Living Dead, and you were so fabulous in it. It was just amazing. I, I, it wasn't what I was expecting at all. Expecting mm. a sort of, you know, a rehash of the original, and actually, it's not. But so anyway, we, we can get into that later on. But um. So I thought, no, I must, I must reach out. I must reach out and, and speak to Patricia now. This is kind of like the sign, you know, this is saying, oi, by the way, you were meant to have done this like three years ago. Get on it now. So I thought, <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm doing it. So um, thank you, firstly, so much for agreeing to do this. Thanks for having me. Of course. You're, you're, you're part of the circle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so sure, of course. Patricia. So, um. Okay, well, I mean, this is a pretty breezy sort of uh, chat. It's pretty relaxed um, and informal. Um, Patricia Talman, in case you are unaware, uh, is an actress from uh, the US, and she has been in a whole bunch of franchise stuff. So, like, I mentioned the sci-fi stuff. I mentioned Night of the Living Dead, which is the big one for me, at least, personally. Um, But you've done... The science fiction stuff, uh, big on Babylon Five, but you've right. done a bit of Star Trek. Yes, so I have. Um, I have this. Uh, my my passion, of course, was acting, and then I did. I had a um, my bread and butter that that filled in was stunt work. So I started off as an actor. I was a teenager when I had my first job, fourteen, fifteen years old, and got my union card and all of that. Um, and then in in my early 30s, I think I was all the way into my early 30s, I was still acting in New York City. And I met stunt people on a on a George Romero movie called Night Riders. Um, that was my first time in front of the camera. That was 1980. And I just, I thought what they did was so fascinating. And I've always been... It, if interested in stage combat, I took fencing, you know, I had, I have a, a dance background, a, a horsing, horseback riding background. So I had this sort of uh, active side to me anyway. And um, I started training professionally. Um, I got my, my second degree black belt. And um, I just, I just loved it. It was like this weird kind of thing that I fell into, and then I turned it into a second career. 
And so on Star Trek, that's a long way of, that's a long way to say that on Star Trek, um, I knew the stunt coordinator on Star Trek. We had, we had met and I was a good size to double a lot of his actresses on those shows, you know, started on next generation. Then we went to deep space nine and then I went to Voyager. So I had uniforms in every color. I've been, been like every alien ever. Cause not only was I able to double some of the actors, actresses, I was able to double the guest stars. So once it, it really helps on um, on the Star Trek shows once they trust you and you could become part of the family, then they just keep using you over and over again. Uh, yeah, so it was a it really I was really grateful for that little bit of serendipity in my life, you know. So I was actually going from Babylon Five, where I'm an actor, yeah. and to a con- on contract, you know, to uh, to Paramount. Yeah. where I'm a stunt person and nobody knows what I'm doing because I'm always dressed as somebody else. Right. So, you know, so nobody really knows about who I am. I do that the next day and go back and forth oh, wow. without talking to the producers. Cause of course my producers on, on Babylon five didn't want me doing anything where I could get hurt. Yeah. Right. And, and here, that's my whole second job is putting my body in danger. You know, so it was, it was really interesting. I actually wrote a book, um, called pleasure thresholds i've been reading it on on facebook uh, during facebook live um just about that five-year period where i was on babylon 5 and on star trek and then all the jobs i had in between like jurassic park and you know all these other shows i was on nobody knows i was on them (laughs) goodness i was gonna say so they literally had no idea you're not just saying that like uh yeah no i no i'm just uh, i'm just another crew member you know, uh, on the, the the stage, and I'm dressed as somebody else. So, so yeah, nobody knew who I was. They cared. I mean, I'm not that I am anybody. I was just a, a face on Babylon Five. I had a character. Yeah. But on on Star Trek, I was always somebody else's face. <laughs> Which is interesting, actually, because I, I did want to talk about um a little bit about that stunt stuff. Um, because at least looking at uh online you know it looks like you your your imd your imdb shows uh, i know it's not always accurate but it it shows that you've actually got more stunt um uh items uh you know projects sure acting projects which is incredible um and so when i saw you were in jurassic park and there was a little tidbit somewhere where it talked about how you double laura dern that actually you we do get to see your face as you on a close-up and so i i went and fished that out so i'm going to post that actually oh how fun yeah uh, when we when we release this and it's very clearly you not laura dunn and it is <laughs> that's pretty funny that a- happened on um star trek generations too i've fallen to the water off the ship for gates mcfadden and it's very clearly me coming out of the water sputtering in indignation <laughs> because data had shoved me into the into the brink Oh gosh, I got to find that as well now. Oh, that's... yeah. So it's kind of fun every once in a while that happens where you know it's fast enough that people don't. They're not, and they have gates in their head, you know, so they're not expecting to see anybody else. Or in in this case, they have Laura Dern in their head, so they're not expecting to notice that it's somebody else. Yeah, and it works. It just it's enough of a deflection that it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. It was yeah. It was really interesting seeing that frame. I was like, <laughs> that's fun. Not Laura Dern at all. Never know. Right. Um, but yeah, that's incredible stuff. You mentioned, okay, so you, you, you've got a second degree black belt in, in, in what? Can I ask? In Tong Sido, Um But really my, so it's kickboxing, but I, I, it's a lot of mixed martial arts that I ended up specializing in wow. um, just to, cause I wanted to look convincing street fighting yeah. and it's all, it's very much street fighting. What I, what I have ended up doing and now i i i I box every day but i don't hit anything because my joints just can't take it i'm 63 and i need to stay in shape and i need to keep my body moving but i i'm not going to hit a bag it's really hard on your wrists especially your hands and your wrists Mm. um and i don't want to spar obviously i'm not interested in getting clobbered (laughs) but i love the choreography and i love keeping moving and and, I, and it's kind of nice knowing that I, I don't have to fight for my life anymore. You know, I could just enjoy it. Yeah, because uh, so that stunt stuff, um, at least that Laura Dern scene, I mean, that was 
insane like yeah yeah that was really hard because we really had to do it so that the scene that that's jumping out in my mind anyway is the scene where the raptors have pursued our heroes and they are in the rotunda the rotunda yeah did i say that right and and they're coming down on the scaffolding all of uh the over the brontosaurus bones and the t-rex ends up crashing in there too um but at first it's just the raptors chasing us down and they purposely made the the scaffolding super rickety so it's like it's going back and forth like the masts on a ship and it uh i'm not great with heights i i have to steal myself to get through that stuff it's nothing i can really do about it it's just like this this little kernel in my in my being somewhere that makes heights very challenging for me. My knees actually will give, they just turn to water. I, I now understand what that means. So on those rickety and climbing down, and then we're, we're getting out on the bones of the, of the brontosaurus and Laura's character, Ellie had to go all the way out onto this to the neck i think it was the neck bones or the tailbone but i think it was the neck of of the of the skeleton yeah. and we're we are working our way around the hanging wires so there's wires that are attached to, from the skeleton to the ceiling and we have to work their, our way around it. Now the kids didn't have to go as far. So we have, um, we have people that are, that are adults, but they're child size who yeah. are doubling the kids. And then the other stunt man who's doubling, um, Sam Elliott. No, yes. No. Sam Neill. Sam Neill. Yeah. 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 So that when I'm where uh, I have the furthest to go, of course, Laura being the babe yeah. is, um, costumed in, um, short shorts <laughs> and a tank top. Yeah. So there's no place to put pads, which are protective gear, right? Yeah. And when we had rehearsed this the day before, I wore sweatpants and a sweatshirt with lots of pads underneath and all kinds of things that I could fit on that just for the rehearsal as we figured it out. But even through that, by the time I got home, I had bruises so big, it looked like I had broken bones. My legs were just purple, black with massive bruises. So I went in to uh our call time was super early in the morning already it had to be like at least six o'clock in the morning i got there at five hoping somebody was there and i walked in and i said don't freak out and they were like what and i pulled down my sweatpants and my legs are just you know shredded with bruises and i i, I thought i was kind of worried that our stunt coordinator was just going to call somebody else yeah. but they actually called in another makeup artist and had them do body paint on me a really dense body paint yeah. But my, I, I was in so much pain. <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> so that was that was a very gnarly day. Yeah, very gnarly day. And how long was the day? Because then you're doing take off to take off to take. Sure. In pain. That's a really good. Point. I don't remember. Oh my god. The whole we we shot for weeks. Um, I, and I wasn't on the Hawaii unit. I didn't have I didn't have the luck to go to Hawaii with the Hawaii unit. Um. But I was I shot like a week here and a week there yeah, yeah. It, here in Los Angeles. Goodness me! All right, mm. you, we never appreciate how tough these things are. You see it on screen, yeah, a few seconds, uh, and you think, oh yeah, that looks great. Right. <laughs> and then for weeks afterwards, I'm dealing with these bruises. I and I did something to my I don't even know what it was, but I did something to my wrist. It's never been right. It swells up every once in a while. The bone, the joint just swells up really big. It's very strange. Yeah, what we what we do to ourselves as stunt people is just absurd. I've got, uh, you know, permanent pain in my hips and in my neck. That'll never go away, you know. Yeah. It's just, I have to, it's like being a football player, you know, you're just kind of got to live with it. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. Carry on, that's right. Sorry. No, well. <laughs> we can before we get into the night of the living dead stuff um, mm -hmm. i really do want to talk to you about that um which is a fascinating take actually it was quite well at least to my to my limited knowledge it was it was quite different but so you you, you mentioned new york earlier so what kind of stuff were you like how did this oh god it sounds so cliche you know the whole where did it all start sort of thing right like, so you were out in are you from new york I'm from Chicago, but I went to school in Pittsburgh when I was 17 and then uh, moved straight to New York after I got my degree. And I was in New York for 10 years. 
Wow. Okay. And that was, you were acting out there. You were, you're acting. Right. Correct. That was, that was my, my, my whole purpose in going to New York was to be in theater. Right. That's my first love. And I, I succeeded to a, to an extent, but it was painfully clear. First of all, theater doesn't pay very well. And, and, um, the the t- the big roles i mean in, i'm an ingenue being in my 20s you know at that time the roles were going to women that had young women who had a a tv celebrity or at least or a film celebrity because they had to sell tickets sure. so you have to have stars in these roles and if they weren't a big broadway star they would especially when you're that young they'll get a tv star or a movie star young young star to come in and i thought um, you know, I pounded my head against that door for almost a decade. And then I went, yeah, you know, I need to, I need to go to LA yeah, and see if I can't, you know, build up a resume so I can get a theater job. Yeah. The reality was once I got to LA, I loved it so much. You know, it's a, it's a, a much more humane lifestyle. <laughs> You've got some space, right? You could breathe the air, you know, it's just, it's just easier yeah. in New York and um, the rents were a lot cheaper, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, just making a living was so much easier. You get paid better doing TV. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of work here for television, you know, and that paycheck just is, is very, very helpful. Yeah. I, I feel- yeah that I've spoken to you know um, and they come from film and they've sort of said oh I would love to just land a, a regular spot on a tv show or something because yeah. because it's that yeah that continual you know income and that security that's right yeah I get it I get it it's, it's a practicality that that when you're really young you don't think about it because that's you know you're not going for practicality usually when you're that age, you're going for the adventure. You're going for what your heart is pulling you to do. And that's fantastic. And you do that for as long as you can. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you know, I had a, I had, I just said, I need to be able to, to not stress about my bills because during the day, if I had a theater job during the day, I was doing other work. I was modeling for it, it on in fashion, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to do anything that I could pull in a, a, a actual money because <laughs> you know? the theater stuff honest to god i would get this is okay back in the 80s but um i think my equity wage was like 180 dollars a week oh my god. a week wow and my rent is at least you know 500 to 700 dollars and that's sharing a flat with a whole bunch of people oh my god so you know paying bills so my I could make seven hundred dollars a week modeling, which by today's standards is still a pittance. But in those days, obviously, it was a big help. Yeah. And um, any print job you could get, or um, a soap opera job, because we had a lot of soaps going on in New York in those days. But they didn't. New York City didn't have yet the influx of television. The studios hadn't been built, yeah. and the series hadn't landed yet. So yeah. I didn't have that option in the early '80s. Okay. to develop a, a television credibility yeah. and that's why everyone who wanted to do that or or a film career moved to los angeles right right wow okay that's interesting i didn't yeah i never thought i well i never realized actually i just thought mm. that a bit of a bounce i knew that la was always the hub but you know New York for you was... london is everything right i mean for for actors london is the place to be right yeah absolutely um i mean i think i mean they the it starts in London, then everybody goes off to other places. But um, yeah, London really, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is it. I mean, everything sort of satellites London itself. Um, but all the, you know, the post-production houses and all that stuff is in town, right? So um, Sure. I know you've got studios in, in Cardiff and, and you can even get up into Scotland for some things, but it seems like your 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 main hub is still London. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. The- I remember, um, so I did my master's in Cardiff, and mm-hmm. who this was in 2003, so it's going back a little bit, um, and Doctor Who was just sort of rebooting, as it were, or what? Right. Mm-hmm. I, they were just bringing it in with um, uh, Christopher Eccleston, I think it was. Uh, he was my first doctor. Oh, really? Yes, that's how I got started at Arma. Totally hooked, but yes. <laughs> and then I had to go back, of course. And re- See, I, I started with... <laughs> Uh, Sylvester McCoy, I think. Oh, I love him. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, wonderful. But um, a wonderful, delightful actor, really. Seriously, 
interesting guy as well. He's just so eccentric. Like you meet him, <gasps> we realize, oh, he kind of actually is like the uh, <laughs> talk to that kookiness and that sort of uh, eclectic kind of personality is all there. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Um, but yeah, so 2003, I remember they basically production used um, the art building, the car park for the trailers and everything. So they set up shop in our oh. campus and oh. doubled up this one street, uh, I think it's called Queen Street in Cardiff, that just remotely, just even remotely looks like London. And they turned that into a London street. They brought a bus up and, and put, you know, um, a bus stop and everything. And so I always found that fascinating because I thought, well, why, why not just shoot it in London? But then, mm-hmm. like, you know, as you learn a bit more, you realize, okay, the logistics of it, um, you know, paying, getting the licenses to be able to shoot on the street. Sure. But, but... Ridiculous. It, it can be so freeing for a production to be able to shoot somewhere where they have a little more, um, uh, they're welcome. You know, I mean, now in the States, we have so many different hubs for filming. And now there's crew, there's several crew deep in in these other areas, whether it's Atlanta, Georgia or Louisiana or Chicago. You know, there's there's a vibrant industry now kind of everywhere, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I mean, the more the merrier for, again, one of a better. Yeah. And the locals are so happy to have them there. They bring money in. They bring business. That's, you know, it's fantastic. It's just exciting for everybody to share that. Whereas here, you know, it's like, ah, film crew. They're in the way again. You know, it's in Los Angeles. Find them. Do you get a lot of people sort of uh, complaining or moaning? And like, does that happen a lot? For uh, with a film crew coming by or whatever, yeah, they yeah, we're jaded, you know, it, it's all the time, so it's like, uh, it doesn't mean anything. And I live in an area, kids, that where uh, it's called um, we're in the valley, I'm in the West Valley, and there's a lot of porn shot here. So, some of the you see a whole film crew setting up, and it could just as well be porn, which is hilarious in my mind. I don't care about it, it's, oh. I have no judgment on that, it's not my business, but you know, <laughs> it's just kind of funny, it's like. Uh, pretty much if they're here they're shooting porn so it's just this weird oh right oh my goodness that's... yeah it's so funny bizarre. it's oh. bizarre yeah goodness okay um okay so let's i mean this is basically the halloween special i'm trying to... <gasps> i love halloween halloween special yeah and we want to do something um you know proper this time we always like think to ourselves as, as a family i mean we're always like oh we'll do something we'll dress up we'll go trick-or-treating or whatever but the kid's been too young or i don't know something happens or whatever and it never happens but this year this year we're gonna do it so anyway sorry slightly uh digressing there but let's talk about um night of the living dead and actually your your collaboration with romero because you you mentioned earlier that it sort of it it spans not just that film, a few films, um, you know, Night Riders and whatnot. Right. Again, you know, I feel bad here. I haven't seen it, but that's um, right. so Yeah, can you can you tell us how, how did that sure. start? I mean, how... well, I um, uh, I think it, it was uh, I heard about George shooting. I hadn't met him yet. I went to school in Pittsburgh, which is the, where George Romero is from, and and. Um, that's where the first night living dead was shot and he had a whole film crew that he worked with out there and then um uh when he night riders was the name of it starring ed harris ed was just starting to break out in a career and um it, the word got around with from all of us from carnegie mellon and, and uh pittsburgh were talking about it um I was I had already moved to New York City and they were auditioning in New York City. So uh, I, I'm pretty sure I just had my agent submit me and I got an audition. And part of that was because I was from Pittsburgh. You know, I had the, the Carnegie Mellon credit on my resume, my very young resume with hardly anything on it yet, because I, I had only done theater and, and I had never done anything in front of a camera, not anything. So, um, he, he, I did get cast and it was, um, I auditioned for George. I was so nervous, but he took a, you know, he took a a chance with me. So that was Knight Riders in, in 1980. And then I did, I, um, I did a couple of episodes with Tom Savini of Tales from the Dark Side, 
I had an acting job on one and a stunt job on another. And then I did um, Creepshow 2 as a stunt person for George, which I think kind of amused him. Michael Gornick was directing that, but George was around. He wrote it. Um, so I kept, I kept showing up in front of George and then we did something called monkey shines and I'm not in that, but again, I did one little stunt job and I helped with uh, local casting and things like that. Um, because uh, we're all friends. The crew is all friends and everyone's kind of, and we all got paid, of course, paid well, but I, I, I was able to get in and do these things because I was part of this little group. And then, um, night of the living dead, 1990 came along. We shot it in 1989 and, um, I was, I had moved to Los Angeles by then, um, heard about it. I auditioned on tape. And when we say that I'm auditioning on VHS tape. So we had a friend had one of those big VHS cameras, you know, this is the eighties with the big VHS tapes. And I did did uh, one of the opening scenes and then, um, sent that off to, the casting people in New York city, the casting uh, woman had somebody else she wanted to hire, but Tom Savini was directing this one. And uh, he says that, you know, he had, he wanted Barbara to be more physical and to be more active than in the 68 version, which was appropriate. That that version was appropriate for the sixties, but he wanted to update her. Um, Thank God, because I could not imagine why. I I don't know that I would have even auditioned if they had me be the same Barbara. That's just not even in my wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was excited about being, um, watching a woman go through a transition and and finding a way to survive in an an unbelievable situation. Yeah. Uh, And I think we can all see ourselves in those kinds of characters, you know, and I, I, I really, I really love doing that. Yeah. So I, I do think it kind of comes across. And we all love doing what we were doing in that movie. I've been talking to Billy Butler almost every day because we're doing a, a show together. We're, we were putting together our own little um, uh, like horror talk show. Uh, that'll that's that will be on camera, not off camera. We'll have special guests come in. But he's he's so funny. I just thought I'll just be his sidekick and I'll do whatever he wants me to do. But I just want Billy on camera. You know, it's such a great group of people. Mosley and Savini and then Tony Todd. Yeah. Katie's now, Katie Finneran, who played Judy, she's been on Broadway, winning, had won uh, Tony Awards. And she, really? she's, yeah, just awesome. Totally okay. awesome. And then Tom Tolles, unfortunately, passed away. But, mm. you know, it was a really lovely group of people. Yeah. And you get, mm. um, since, so it's, it is interesting um, to me how different it actually was. Like I mentioned earlier, I was sort of expecting a a sort of almost like a frame by frame remake. I think when when somebody says to me remake these days, um you know, I I I my mind for some reason immediately goes to like a literal frame frame shot for shot remake. Um right. which probably doesn't really happen that often, I suppose, like there was that psycho remake. Uh, but that's where my mind goes. So when we started watching it, um and it starts off pretty much the same, uh, but then I, the first change I noticed was that there were more zombies. Oh, by the way, there's going to be, or there already has been, some spoilers, okay? So if you haven't seen the film yet, uh, to those listening, please do go out and see it first before you, uh, before you come back to this. Um, <laughs> I noticed, yeah, first of all, there were a lot more zombies, and they looked more like what we are now used to. I mean, it's easy to forget, I suppose, that... Uh, Romero mm. really defined what a zombie was uh, with that original 68 film. Right. Um, and the 68 film, it, you know, I, I saw it in black and white as it was originally uh, shot. And what got me about that film was how sad it was, really, because everybody yeah. hates it, really. Um, you right. know, kind of like the whole, that entire hour and a half or whatever was essentially futile for all of them. Uh, mm-hmm. especially the the Ben character, um, and I was shocked to see Barbara uh, die in that pretty well. Not early on, that's why she goes about. Yeah, that. but it does. Yeah, she she yeah. does bite it soon. Yeah, get bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and by yeah. Us, which was really there was something really sad about that, and I remember watching that and just getting just down and down. I was like, oh my god, I wasn't expecting that because, like I said, I I did a 
sketch card series. So when you're sat there drawing portraits of these people for hours upon hours, mm. and I'm watching it, you know, I've got the film playing, I'll see it a couple of times or whatever, uh, and, and you're looking at these pictures, you, you kind of connect with those faces. So then when you're actually watching the moving image of it, and then you see these faces being basically ripped apart, uh. something weird that happens i can't really explain it <clears throat> so i was kind of anxious going into this um 1990s uh the the remake uh and then i was really pleasantly surprised because uh we see quite early on that you're not the same you're you're not the same barbara i mean aside from the fact that you yours has got an extra a in it uh you're not just sat on the sofa so mm-hmm. stands on in distress kind of just constantly in shock and not really knowing what to do you know you take charge and it was very much in the vein of to me like uh heroines like uh, ellen ripley from aliens mm-hmm. um sarah connor from terminator you know like these really badass female characters mm-hmm. and you know and i'm sure you've seen you know in the media over the past sort of few years that th- these things have been coming up where the whole strong female character thing has been coming up and and you know, uh, I I always kind of struggled with that because I thought, well, you can kind of relay uh, to people mm. a number of characters that are actually strong female characters. Admittedly, there's not enough of them, but I was very pleasantly surprised to learn that you were one of them. I'm looking up like when ter- the first Terminator was. Do you remember when? Oh, yeah, 84. 84. Wow. Yeah. Yes. So the second one, when she got all ripped. Yeah, that actually, that was 91. So that was after. Uh, that was after. Yeah. But she was still, like you said, in, in, in the first one, um, she doesn't die. She finds a way. She's helped by John Connor, but she's helped. Yeah. So uh, I, you know, being a being, I was born in the fifties, yeah. growing up in the sixties, the, the, usual trope for women in horror yeah. um was obviously you know you have sex so you take a shower and you show your tits and then you get killed or you do something dumb like go down in your nighty into the basement with a candle or a flashlight that's going out right is read these dumb shit and then you become one of the victims so um i had no interest in that yeah and when i saw the script for 1990 the version i I was then I got excited. I thought, okay, this is a story I want to tell because yeah. I don't know anybody that dumb. <laughs> I don't know any girl that is that dumb that you know to do these things they have us doing in movies, and it's just exactly. it's crap. Yeah. So to to be able to play a much more real character um, mm-hmm. was just a thrill, uh, really a thrill. I always wanted to do action some action films that didn't work out for me but i did get to be a stunt woman and i did get to do night of living dead yeah oh you've done the real stunt work is the real action is the real deal that's right that's right especially in my time we didn't have all these effects (laughs) yeah it's literally happening in front of you yes it i found your character's um journey in that quite i mean i i say Interesting doesn't do it any justice, really, um, because you see she's kind of argumentative in the opening sequences, right? With her, with her brother, he's teasing her, and she's just sort of batting him off and like giving it back to him. Mm-mm. But you kind of realize um, straight away that she's not, you know, she she has got something in her, and then you see that vulnerability when she starts to realize what's at well, not realizing actually what's happening around her, and is that sort of chaos and, um, you know, that 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 fear really. Uh, and you portrayed that so well, Jesus, it was so believable. And then you've got to actually just come around and you take charge of the situation. I love the line that you deliver where you say to Tony Todd's character, you know, Ben, and all, the, the whole group, really, you, you say that, um, was it something like, oh, you know, you guys are acting like a bunch of, arguing like a, or bickering like a bunch of two-year-olds or something. Right, right. And, and, and that's really, that's kind of like, to me, that felt like um, uh, your... Uh, princess leia moment in that when she's being rescued and then she has to take the gun from mm-hmm. right right you're rescuing me i guess and okay <laughs> i'll take it from here 
basically. <laughs> and that's what it really felt like. I mean, you had a massive shotgun in your hand. Um, yeah. It was, it was, yeah, it was remarkable. So all of that stuff, the physicality of that role, like the emotional aspects, you see it. You, you know, we, it really hit home. You, you can kind of really get on board with that. Um, it was so believable. The physical stuff handling the guns um like you look so proficient was there a lot of training and stuff involved in that or did you already have a bit of that i might have had a little bit of it but uh i actually made the choice that she shouldn't know too much about this okay you know um and i do hold it wrong sometimes in the movie and and fans have said that you know you're holding the gun wrong i said yeah barbara didn't know how to use it she Uh had to figure it out i mean she's been around guns because they it's a rural area in pennsylvania and where we just assume that i i created this backstory she's a school teacher she works with little kids that's and 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 she's yeah johnny's giving her shit she's grieving for her mom you know it's just another horrible day in her life (laughs) you know and and then this the shit hits the fan so um she can she can fall apart or she can rise to the occasion and i kind of think there's a little bit like you said there's a little bit of both in the beginning where she starts to fall apart but she does struggle to keep going you know uh again not trying to get away too with too much and after um she gets out of the car if he rolls down the hill and she gets out of the car she escapes those first two zombies and she finds the farmhouse you know but i still think that there's this i'm dazed and confused by the time tony shows up She's going there. There's a bit of that catatonic quality that that Judy O'Day brought to the first Barbara, where she went into she just became catatonic. Yeah. And um, and I think you see and he kind of snaps her out of it. Come on, girl. You know, he, he shakes her by the shoulders and then gets her to look in the eye and, and she comes back and then then slow builds back while the other characters are having all their fascinating. They're, they're great storylines. But, you know, I got a chance to to recover i have no lines for a long time and it's just me inside barbara's skin um finding my way back into to making some decisions about what she's gonna do because she's it's it's really is fight or die yeah yeah so it was really fun as an actor to get to do that yeah really fun yeah it was like you said it was it's a wonderful journey and i feel that that it's um that it's a fairly believable journey for an average woman in the middle of, you know, not a, not, not the city for sure. So, mm. you know, the, a rural area and she gets confronted by some um, very unusual circumstances and gets to yeah. either rise to the occasion or not, but she does. Yeah. And it's not perfect, not perfectly. No. And there's a cost as we see by the very end. Yeah. Like she loses a piece of her humanity, her humanity by the yeah. very end. Yeah. And she makes that realization as well. It's like uh yeah. that we are no different. I mean, that was something right. that, if I remember was missing from that sixty-eight film. You you don't really I suppose you see it in those stills. It kind of, you know, it shows because they kill you know, the the, the the people who come to the house in the end, you know, the sheriff and right. guys. And they end up accidentally killing uh, the Ben character. Um, and then you see him just being tossed aside, like, no, you know, no different to those zombies. So it's like, a, you know, a dead person is a dead person or whatever. It's just an object and they've got to just clean up. But the 90 version was a little bit more poignant, I thought. Like they were hanging yes. things up and... You know, and it reminded me of some of these scenes that you see in the Middle East, you know, during some of the, you know, during wartime and stuff. Well, it's constant wartime, really. But, you know, um, yeah, shocking stuff. It was heavy hitting and like yeah. her realization. Because it, it's funny. I, I was watching it. And I was like, we are no different to them. And then literally a moment later, your character says essentially the same thing. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that it really, it really did work. Um, yeah, I had a few other... Uh, Things I was hoping that you could perhaps talk a little bit about sure. as well. Um, so, in terms of uh, the the making of that film, like how much uh, how much did Romero actually get involved in in it? Like, was it was he, he was there? Mm-hmm. So he it, he wrote it. He wrote the 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 
script. So he gave it the update into the 90s, right? And um, Tom was directing. Um, and then George came back for the last few days of shooting. Right. I know he kind of, he was there at the beginning, kind of watched what was going on. And then he had some stuff he had to do. I forget which project he was working on, but he had to step away, which is fine. And we carried on for a couple of weeks. And uh, then he came back at the end. Right. It was nice. It was nice to be around George. I mean, he's, you know, um, he was an important figure in my life. Yeah. As an actor. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. I, I, mm -hmm. never, um, I never met him. I, I, I just saw him once at a at a convention. I was sort of stood at the sidelines, and he had a security with him. And but he sure. had this smile on his face. Yeah, very gentle soul, really nice man. It's so funny uh, when, when you meet some of these people, and they are deep in the horror genre, and they just seem like they wouldn't have that sort of thing going on. You know, he's just gentle and sweet and kind, and then he writes these horrific zombie films and uh, Stephen King. I met Stephen King. I worked with him on. He he came in and played a character uh, uh, in Night Riders, okay. and again, just a really big, a really another big gentle giant. You know, big guy, really sweet, really kind. Writes these demented novels. That's <laughs> crazy. It's fascinating. Yeah. Bizarre. Um, okay, so your career, let's, let's focus back on your career. So we, we know that you've done a lot of the stunt stuff. Um, you know, we've talked about your stunt career. We've talked a bit about your acting career. How, have you ever done anything in, because I'm sure I saw an image of you in prosthetics. Oh, yeah. So th was that some of the... Obviously, wasn't all it? kinds. Uh, it depends. Yeah, I've done a lot of prosthetic work. Really? Yeah, it could be anything. It could have been one of the horror movies. It could have been Star Trek movies. You know, it could have been anything. Interesting. Yeah, I, actually, do you know what? I think it might have been Star Trek because you're in yeah. uh, Generations, right? With with both uh, William Shatner and Patrick Stewart. Yes, I was. Uh, I doubled the Klingon sisters. Um, I played a background character, and I doubled Gates McFadden. Oh, wow. I had I had the the extreme good um, good fortune and honor to be on the Klingon ship firing on the Enterprise and on the Enterprise firing on the Klingon ship. Wow! Okay, I'm in a very rare rare thing there. It was really fun. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when they were shooting, <coughs> pardon me, when they were shooting the scene, the climactic scene with both William Shatner and. Um, Patrick Stewart in Las Vegas in the rocks there. Okay. Um, the main, the main shooting team went there and I became stunt coordinator on the set for the crashing of the enterprise. So that's all my fault. <laughs> the crashing of the enterprise. It's oh. my fault. Totally fun. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So you like really deep in um, the Star Trek, just the whole thing. Yeah. Like, mm. okay. I, I had no idea. You please excuse my ignorance. I'm oh, no. It's quite all right. I mean, who would know that? Um, I, I I haven't been part of the more modern shows mm -hmm. uh, after Voyager. Um, my stunt coordinator, the guy that hired me most, yeah. was not a part of the new shows, and so the new stunt coordinator brings in his people. Oh. Is how it works, you know, in, yeah, in our yeah, industry. Yeah. So it's totally fine. It's you know, new crew, new cast. It's it's the way it goes. Yeah. Uh, sure, and and I miss it, but I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> the resume speaks for itself i mean yeah it's you know we all we're supposed to keep moving in life and keep and, and going on to the next thing yeah. you know I, I as an artist you're always doing the next thing aren't you yeah. it's always a new piece of work yeah. um so we get used to it don't we we get used to that so speaking of which um is it what is on the horizon or what are you, is there anything that you can even talk about? Like? Oh yeah, I'm um, I'm all constantly reinventing um, myself. Okay. I uh, Artie and I met when I was doing a convention, but then I brought her into uh, Quest Retreats, which was my travel company, and um, she so graciously joined us for the day that we went to the Harry Potter studio tours, and we had a total blast. That was so much fun. Um, so did the actor who played Gregory Goyle. Um, What's that lovely man's name? Oh, gosh. Escaping me for the moment, but I loved him and he was just he was just fantastic. So forgive me for not not having it right here. But anyway, it was a great day. And and of course, um, uh, I can't run a travel business right now. So I was in Scotland in in April, in, in March and April, and the pandemic hit. 
um, and I couldn't get home, which was fine by me. And so my partner and I uh, stayed on. Luckily, Airbnbs kept going for the most part, and we would just find a B and B and stay there. Kept because uh, I, I was I was putting together my Scotland trip for my for Quest retreats. I was okay. scouting it out, and um, obviously we can't. I can't be doing that now. So I got home, and in May. We got home at the in mid-April, and by May, I'd started a new business because I had to. So oh. I started an online events business, which is everything from uh, uh, talk shows to um, like uh, uh, conversations with other science fiction and horror actors. And uh, but my my take on it is uh, personal growth. So Artie and I have so much in common. Um, uh, personal growth has been a big part of my personal development. Um, it's been a big part of my life for the past, since like 2013. Wow. And I bring that into my retreat business, but I've all, now I'm bringing it into my online business. And I'm asking the actors that, that come on as guests for me to talk about stuff that, yeah. that gets them through the day. Like, how do you survive yeah. um, this business, these times, the political division, the pandemic, stress in your life? How, what do you do? And it's, it's everything from a cooking class to, you know, cooking to um, talking about trauma and rape and recovery and how your, your brain deals with trauma and how we, we heal trauma. I mean, so the conversations have been incredible, just the, you know, all over the map. Um, And I think really, really helpful people that have joined us keep coming back for the next show, which is really beautiful profound to me. So I've been doing that and I'm, I'm writing another book. Uh, the first one's called Pleasure Thresholds and I can do, do show notes. I could give you a link you could share with Please everybody. Do. Oh, that would be great. And I, I wrote a um, 2020 update for the book. So it's, it's updated a little bit and um, or a lot. And uh, I'm all over social media. You know, I'm, I'm just constantly trying to stay in the flow and find out what the universe wants from me. Okay, what do you want me to do now? You know, what what are we doing now? <laughs> and I, I just launched a, a a horror, like I said, talk show with Billy Butler. Um, we're just get, we're just doing four episodes to start to see how how it goes, and okay. see what we if we like doing it, and if, if folks want to participate or what. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that I I'm constantly. We all have to do something. I I don't have. Anyone paying my bills but me, so yeah, exactly. it's up to me. Post um, so we we can find the show now. It's out there, yeah. So oh yeah, b 5 eventscom is where you'd find all the the, the online stuff. Um, and I'll I'll share that with you too. Yeah, and I'll put the, yeah I'll put the link in the description. Awesome, I appreciate it. This yeah, it's it's funny you should um mention the political side, you know, the division and stuff. Then mm. add over here recently. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but it was essentially um, urging people in the arts to retrain. Um, I try, I try not to get vertical, but this really pissed me off. Um, I understand why it would piss you off, of course. Every, every um, creative that's on you know, ah. the network, they were just like, "What the hell?" Yeah, it's got this picture of a ballerina, and it's saying uh, it's quite an ominous statement. It, it says, "You know, she's gonna." Uh, her name is Fatima. Fatima is going to retrain in cyber. And then in, in parentheses, it says, but she just doesn't know it yet. And you're like, <gasps> so she's going to become some IT bod. It's like, what the, it's, that sounds very cold war. That sounds right. Yeah, it was, check it out. I mean, if it's still out there, because that same morning they pulled it after Twitter exploded and everybody was just like, what? The it f- is very dark very yeah. dark and and you're, that's uncool yeah it was it's just bizarre and wow you've been talking about how you have adapted but you you didn't adapt by becoming some it person you just you know just changed up a few things and that's right and i've hired it people right so i'm i'm providing work yeah because i know where my skill levels are and I know that I want to stay in my zone of genius, as we call it. I don't want to, to, to necessarily, I don't mind understanding how something works, but I don't, I don't want to know all of it. I don't want to troubleshoot it. That's not my thing. Yeah. I'd rather hire somebody to do yeah. that. So, you know, people are happy to, to make some extra money. Yeah. Yeah. That's just weird. <laughs> That's really freaking weird. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, unfortunate. Let's put it that way. Um, has <laughs> you kind of been for yeah in in a weird way. Wow. A bit of an unfortunate year. Um, like we don't have television. Like we don't have ways of viewing the arts other than being in person. I mean, oh my God. I've had friends who are actors put on plays on Zoom. Really? That yes. Incredible. And you know, it's not the same, but of course it's still fun. It can still be, you know, people are using their, their uh, skills and people are writing and people are doing all kinds of things. That's just weird. Yeah, I think that you, they would. Mm. the National, right a few months ago, uh, well, when the pandemic first kicked off, I think they started hosting virtual plays as well i think you know um and a couple of friends did see and they were like yeah this is this is great i suppose it'd be no different uh or well i mean i didn't see it so i i can't say it'd be no different it has to be a little different but you know similar to perhaps um if you go to see a play in the cinema i, I don't know if the u.s must be doing it as well but, oh sure you know, like concert mm, absolutely yeah 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 yeah, it works, man. You just find different ways of doing this stuff, don't you? So what I, I know that the, the concern is, well, we, how are you going to have the actors all work together and be safe? You know, um, when I've got a friend who just started back on her TV show and she said it is really weird. People walking around in hazmat suits and masks and yeah. the actors are wearing their masks and everyone is tested and tested and tested and tested right up to the last minute, you know, and then you go to shoot. They take off your mask. They shoot the scene. They, you know, put the mask back on. So it's it's... It's a thing, yeah, but, yeah. you know, at least on a set, pardon me, it can be controlled. Yeah. It can be controlled in a, in a, in a, a pretty effective way. I think yeah. if everyone is on board and not being dicks about it, yeah. you know, if you really do take the precautions and it's not the same kind of socializing that we're used to doing, but, oh, well, you know, let's get through this until we have, we have a vaccine or we have some meds that work really well. And, you know, we have, we're on top of it and then we can go, you know, then we can, we can take risks. But right now we really shouldn't take any no, risks. No. It's almost like a real life zombie apocalypse. It totally is. Yeah. Cause I feel like a zombie, whether I am a zombie or not. I feel like it sometimes. Yeah. Totally. yeah. I mean, I'm, I spend so much time sitting down that the minute I stand up, I am moving like one of those slow. <laughs> I, I know I'm, I'm doing my gym classes online. I have an online gym membership now and that all the classes are online and I'm doing everything online. You know, I'm out in my living room kickboxing. It's just ridiculous. But you do what you got to do right now. You got to stay. You just do what you got to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Patricia, thank you so much for joining totally. us today. Oh, my pleasure. Totally. Really is. Really, really is. Good to talk to you. Thank you.